0: review just a moment we learned this morning in the message that uh, when God saves us he works then to mature us. To mature us our faith is tested and uh, the Bible uses the word temptation or the trying of our faith. The trying of our faith works patience and uh, patience is a process that is difficult. Sometimes We see a process because it's difficult as a problem, and we try to get rid of it. We try to get rid of it like the problem of pride or covetousness or fear, when the truth is God's processes in life, though they're difficult, they are necessary. God does three things, or he asks us to have faith in three things. First of all, in his person. Second, in the promises of his word. Those are not too difficult. But the third is the processes. Those are difficult. Those are not easy. However, if we trust God in the processes, that patience makes us complete or lacking nothing. Now, when you go through the word of God, the principles are important. The precepts are important. But if you skip the processes, you only know about the principle you only know about the precept you cannot learn them unless you go through the process are you with me tonight now in second samuel chapter 6 we have the story where david the king recognizes that the ark of the covenant that has been stolen by the philistines needs to be brought back to the land of god's people The Philistines have taken it away, and they have kept it for some 75 years. 1 Samuel chapter 4 records uh, the Philistines capturing that because they saw it as a symbol of the power of God, and they wanted it. They wanted it for themselves, and David said, It is not yours, so I'll go and get it, and I'll bring it back to uh, the people of God. And yet, even though he was doing the right thing, there's a great tragedy in the story. I want you to notice as we begin reading in verse number 1 again. David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. Boy, their presence was made known, wasn't it? 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of of, of, of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. Go to verse number 6. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased. Because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place, Para-Uzzah, to this day. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word tonight. I beg you, Lord, for wisdom and for your power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What a tragedy in this story. The tragedy is not that Uzzah is killed of God. The tragedy is they forgot the process of moving the Ark of the Covenant. You see, if you go back to Numbers chapter 4, you'll find that God gave specific directions through Moses how the tabernacle was to be built, how it was to be dismantled, how it was to be transported and rebuilt. The major pieces of the furniture were to be carried on the shoulders of, of the Levites who descended from Kohath. You'll find that in Numbers chapter 4 and verses 9 through 20. Now they were to carry the ark on their shoulders with staves or with poles. Now why in the world would they put this ark, this piece of furniture, this piece that represented the power of the Almighty God, why would they put that on a on a cart rather than carry it the way God said to carry it. I'll tell you why. The Philistines had come up with the idea of transportation that it was easier to move furniture on a cart than it was to carry it. Now I will agree that it would be a lot easier to move my furniture with a truck than it would be to carry a dresser from one address to another. But God's not moving my furniture. He's moving his. And God said when you move it, I want you to understand you're going to carry it on staves between the shoulders of four men. And these specific men are going to carry it because I want you to understand that my furniture is different than any other furniture. This is my business. This belongs to me. And I want you to know, I want you to know that it is to give have special treatment, treatment of respect, a treatment that they would realize this is different than any other piece of wood. They forgot, they have forgot God's instruction. What's also interesting is that David is displeased and the people are not even thinking about this new process. They have no idea. David is displeased. What David ought to be is ashamed. But what happens is when one generation decides, I'm not going to do what God says to do, the next generation in ignorance disobeys because of a generation that was rebellious. Did you hear what I said? One generation simply rebels. The next generation follows the generation of rebels in ignorance. And the day comes. Do you, you understand that the whole nation's mad at God tonight? everybody's mad at God every time something happens a plane crash why did God let that happen tornado somebody dies why did God let that happen if somebody would open this book right here and start preaching the Bible and God's people would sit down in the morning and read the word of God they would find out that God is in control and God has a process of how he wants things cared for and that uh we're supposed to follow the process Now the problem is that they've replaced the process, and that brings the blessings of the Lord. I want to go back to a statement I made this morning. It's very important. The process of patience, the processes of God always brings maturity. It always matures us, not just to be mature. It matures us so God can use us. And God can bless us. Those are the two things I'm most interested in in this life. I'm interested in being used of God. I'm interested that the blessings of God can flow through me and can be a blessing to my family, to our church, to our city, to our nation. I want to say tonight, we need not see the processes of God as a problem that we need to get rid of. We need to see the processes of God as something that we welcome in our lives, allowing us to receive the blessings of the Lord. Now, here's what's sad. Our nation, and not only our nation, but our churches, are being destroyed because the processes of God, they don't make any sense to men, And they're doing away with them. Now it's one thing for the world to forget what God said. It's another thing when the church and when the Christian is more influenced by the world. It's a sad day when the girls want to look like the go-go girls of the world. And the boys want to look like the sissies of the world rather than men of God and ladies of God. Now look at me. It's not time to pray. Look at me. We get to the place and we ignore the process of God. And that's exactly why our nation is getting so far from God. And as we do, we're getting away from the blessings of the Lord. We're seeing our character, our respect, and decency destroyed. Because everything that we copy from the world destroys another one of God's processes and ruins what God is attempting to do in our life. I said it this morning. I'll say it again. Work is not a problem we need to get rid of. Work is a process that makes a boy into a man teaches him how to provide for his family. Work is good. Work is right. Work is righteous. We treat work in this world like it's a problem. And so we figured out how to keep people from working. We sign them up on welfare. We keep printing money. We're not spending money from savings. We're spending money from future generations. We're destroying the process. What made the World War II generation the greatest generation on earth was the difficulties they faced in the early 1900s and that poverty did not hurt them those times of difficulty and sacrifice and not having everything they wanted it didn't hurt them it made them the greatest nation or generation on earth you see sacrifice is not a problem it's a process you remember Abraham told uh, him uh, to take his son, his only son Isaac, and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. And we look at that and say, boy, that hurts. Uh, that hurts me emotionally. By the way, can I say so? I didn't, even, I didn't even know what it meant to be offended as a boy. Everybody's worried today, oh, I don't want to offend their feelings. By the way, I'm not worried about that tonight. My job is not to displease him, but to preach the Bible. And uh, if, you'll have to get a, if you get offended, we used to call that conviction. Amen. And if you get convicted, then you can get right. Back to the story of Abraham. God said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, and offer him on an altar on a burnt sacrifice. We look at that and say, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. Now, don't miss one, but tell you. We in the first generation of Christians, we learn to sacrifice and live by faith. Somehow or another, we think that is hard on our children. But if you take away their learning to live by faith, you take away their learning to work and learning to sacrifice, you'll destroy that generation. If it's good enough for Abraham's generation to live by faith, it's good enough for me to live by faith and to depend. And trust, by the way, God always takes care of his children. And he took care of Abraham. And though Abraham went through that great difficulty, he proved his faith to God and God used him. He made him the father of a nation that would bless all the nations of the world. And he's still using him in our lives today. You see, faith is not a problem. It's a process. Prayer is not a problem. It is a process. It's all right to pray. It's all right if the answer doesn't come in one day. You can pray again and again and again. And again, if you don't have anything on your prayer list that you prayed for for months before you got the answer, you don't understand what real prayer is. We got this idea, God's a vending machine. We put in a 50-cent prayer and get our little answer out. Friend, I want to tell you something. You'll never move mountains. You'll never accomplish things for God if we don't understand what it is for prayer and for fasting, for times of prayer, extended seasons of prayer. If the Lord Jesus spent the night in prayer before choosing his own disciples certainly you and I ought to spend time in prayer before making decisions not getting what I want when I want it's not a problem it's a process You see, God can answer my prayer and then he can decide when it's best for the answer to come. Because if I'm not careful, my prayers, the answers to my prayers will ruin me unless God prepares me for that blessing. I don't want God's blessings to ruin me. I want them to cause me to want to move on in the will of God. Education is not a problem. Education is a good process. Let me say a word about I'll come back to education. I'm concerned today that politicians are legalizing alcohol and gambling, and by the way, the next thing they're working to legalize in Kentucky is marijuana. Now they're gonna sell the lie of medical marijuana so they can sell it anywhere and everywhere they wanna sell it. And they say so we can have a robust economy. That's how they excuse their wrong, sinful decision To expand gambling. They're not only ruining the process that gives us character. They're giving us a problem in the place of a good process. Billy Sunday said it and I agree. A nation cannot drink its way into prosperity. A nation can't gamble its way into prosperity. By the way, when they talk about the good, they never speak of the negative effects of alcohol or the negative effects that gambling has on marriage and the family and on the home. They never remember the deaths on the highway of the drunkard and of the innocent. Last year, there were 95,000 deaths preventable, all attributed to alcohol. 95,000. That's a pretty good number. They never speak of the increased cost of police and ambulance and hospitals because of the problem they have caused. It is not sin and vice that brings prosperity. It is work and earning and saving and decency and morals and respect and righteousness. Righteousness is what exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach. I don't care what Hollywood promotes. I don't care what the politicians promote. And by the way, if the Republic party is going to evolve into the party of sin and vice then I'll preach against that sorry crowd just like I preach against the abortion baby murdering crowd alcohol and sin brings as much death as anything else it's all uh, preventable and if you're against abortion but you promote sin and vice of alcohol and gambling you didn't get your morals from God or the Bible you got your morals from a political poll We can't allow the Philistines to take away the process. I understand the world doesn't follow what we follow, but we can't follow what the world does. We can't let them give us a new card and say, here's a better way. There is no better way than God's way. There is no better life than the life that God gives to us. We cannot allow the Philistines to take away the processes that we learn from the Bible. Family and marriage is in the word of God, and we need to follow the process that God has given Two genders, male and female, one man for one woman for one lifetime. I was thinking about this today. This crowd that can't identify gender, they better not go into the farming business. You get it, so I'll move on. They'd starve to death as farmers. There are too many things we have given to the world. There are too many things that we've given to the Philistines or we let them show us how to do it. I don't need the world to tell me how to dress my children, how to educate my children, how to train my children. I'll stay with the book right here. You say, but those processes are old. No, they're not. They're eternal. There's a difference in old and eternal. Our Christian schools and our home schools are not to be replicas of the public school system. They're to be what our schools began with. Schools in America began with this book right here. Now that book is outlawed in many places. You see, our Christian schools and our home schools, we're supposed to teach that the Bible is the final authority. This is not what we use for decoration, it's what we use to hide in our heart. This is what we must hide in the hearts of our children. I was walking through the school the other day uh, where I went to grade school and where I went to uh, grades four, five, and six. And in the sixth grade, uh, my uh, uh, science teacher, uh, Mr. Riley, I walked in that classroom and I remembered and all the uh, science stuff at the desk and all of that were still there. It was different than other rooms. Uh, That's where I first learned to dissect a frog. Well, that was fun. Uh, It was also uh, where I first uh, was told, do not be a surgeon. Do not be a surgeon. You're not supposed to cut those things in two. Oh, uh, we put it back there. Uh, But I remember Mr. Riley saying in our textbook this year is a theory called evolution. But we know it isn't true. The Bible says God created the heaven and the earth. Don't you make them don't you let them make you feel inferior because you don't have the knowledge of science. Science, I mean, the biggest joke in America today is science. These folks can't find their way home. They can't throw a baseball from, home, uh, from the pitcher's mound to the home plate. This is how we're supposed to rear our children. Our Christian schools and homeschools are still supposed to teach character. Our schools are supposed to teach decency, respect for self and others, standards for boys and for girls, hard work, work or not eat is what the standard is in the Bible, commitment, loyalty. By the way, schedule is something that we need to stick to in our homeschools and Christian schools. We want to have a time we get up in the morning? Some folks don't realize 6 o'clock comes twice in a day. Yes, sir. does, doesn't it, Brother Paul? comes twice in a day. There needs to be times that we live by, schedule, live by, Respect for mom, respect for dad, respect for men and women, respect for the servant, respect for the veteran, respect for the aged. Patriotism is something that is not caught. It is not, it is not known by birth. It is something that is taught. Don't you let them take the truth of history of America away from your children. Teach your children how this nation was founded and the difficulties that brought about the blessings of God of this nation. We didn't learn these things from government. We didn't learn these things from the state. We learned these things from the Word of God. Amen. 10 years ago, the state of Kentucky, Higher Council on Education, or Council on Higher Education, I believe it's called, they sent me a letter saying that our college had to be accredited or licensed. And so I asked for a meeting with them in my attorney's office, and I met with them uh, uh, with Stanley uh, and Stanley's Stan Lee's office downtown. And uh, I asked them, why why do you want to accredit us or license us? And they said, well, you can't use the word college unless you're accredited or licensed. I said, why is that? They said, well, we own that word. I said, well, it's in the Bible twice. The word college is in the Bible. You did know that, didn't you? Well, no, I mean, I, I, I really didn't know. I said, so you as a state telling me as a preacher I can't use a word that's in the Bible twice? let me ask you a question do you believe in separation of church and state oh yeah boy they scored high on that one i said now does that mean the state can't tell the church what to do i said if you tell me i can't use the word college then you're telling me i can't use a bible word it sounds to me like you violated what you suppose supposed to be a separation of church and state and i think that we could file a lawsuit don't you stand he said yes i think we could <laughs> And he said, well, let's think about this. Let's work on this a little bit. Two weeks, I got a letter from them and said, you don't have to be accredited nor licensed. We recognize you as a Bible college that just gives degree for service, for ministry service. They have given us an update on that letter. It may have been 15 years ago. They've given us an update on that letter every other year. I don't need their accreditation. Uh, Ford doesn't ask Chevrolet to approve their trucks. Boy, conviction is really falling in there. Boy, I got some bad looks right there, I'll tell you for sure. But did you ever get the illustration? You see, we have a better product. Hey, child of the king, you don't have to feel inferior to the world because they've given one another accolades back and forth and degrees and recognitions and they carry their furniture on carts rather than doing what God said to do. Let the world, uh, let the heathen rage, but let's let God people do what we're supposed to do. By the way, this matter of church, God has some processes in the work of the church. God called the man of God to preach the word of God. God called the man of God and God's people to spend time in prayer. You want the power of the Holy Spirit? You spend time in prayer with God. He said this, I'll pour water upon him who's thirsty. I'll, I'll pour floods upon the dry ground. I don't want the world and worldly things to take away my appetite for the things of God. I want to be dry, hungry, thirsty for the power of God. Brother Hazlett was reading his Bible one morning early this week, and that was a blessing to me, just that right there was. But he sent me uh, uh, some verses, and, and uh, he was showing me uh, verses uh, from Solomon when he built the temple. If you remember the story, 2 Chronicles chapter 6 the Bible said that, the, that God came down and his presence was like a cloud that filled the temple so much so they couldn't see. He said, maybe this is where the idea of smoke machines came from. <laughs> and I said, maybe so. And you know what it is? If I have to get the power of God from a machine, I don't want to substitute. I want the presence of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't want to substitute. I, we're not, this is not Disney World. This is church. We're not playing a game here. The work of the church is done through gospel tracts and soul winning and giving and sometimes sacrifice and singing gospel songs and hymns. These are Bible principles and they're processes that God has chosen. And when a process is difficult and we look at it and say that's going to be hard, there has to be a better way. We need to understand something. God's not just serious about his principles. He's serious about the processes. I'll finish with this. I read a book three years ago entitled The West Point Way of Leadership. It's a great book. It's a small book. The book was not just about principles. It was not just about practices. I flew with the gentleman last Thursday, maybe Thursday before last, to Chicago that worked in the Pentagon. And we were talking about West Point. And it was talking about uh, two boys, a nephew and a, and a friend that he'd gone to school with that were graduates of West Point. And it brought up the idea that the book teaches uh, on the five-step process that turns a soldier into a leader i said i've read the book in fact i showed him on my ipad the book Uh, i had it and i'd read it and i'd highlighted it on there Uh, and 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 i said i've taught a lot of this to our young men uh in 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 our college and what they said was you can learn about a principle but unless you learn it through a process it will never be a part of your life You know what they're saying? You can define faith in word. But you'll never know what faith is. Until you have faith in practice. In a promise and a process of God. When Abraham talked about faith. We know he knew what he was talking about. And so I finished the sermon tonight. I'm glad I did or I would have to finish it Wednesday night. Don't look at a process because it's hard as a problem. Say, we've got to get rid of that. Let's not take away the process from our children. Let's not take away the process from our schools. Let's not take away the processes from our nation. Those are what made us what we ought to be. Stand with me, if you will.